How could the imprisoned Paul write words of peace, faith, and joy to the Philippians and Colossians? Why did God allow his freedoms to be sacrificed? How did these sacrifices deepen and solidify Paul's convictions and commitments? In like manner, we each walk our own complex path of discipleship, full of conviction and commitment, but not without sacrifice. And it is only through this sanctifying process that we can consistently become new through Jesus Christ. I invite you to join us in our study today and encourage each of us to request divine understanding that the Spirit may teach us individually and specifically. Welcome to Come Follow Up. To me, I guess making a sacrifice would, I would say it's giving up something good for something better. Um, if you don't want it, you don't sacrifice it. But if you do have, it has value and you have to give it up, but you have something better, uh, that to me, that's what sacrifice is. I think the sacrifice is such a huge part of the gospel because sacrifice changes you. You can't stay the same person um, having given something up or lost something and not be changed by that. And if you make those changes with Christ as your partner, then it's always a change for the better. When I sacrifice, I know that good things are happening in the world. And I love seeing when you sacrifice something to help someone or to do something, you see the fruits of that labor. I can only imagine that God loves seeing that is every little thing he does becomes something better. Welcome everybody. My name is Ben Lomu and I'm your host. Our gospel scholar today is Josh Matson. Josh is a scholar of the Bible and the Dead Sea Scrolls and a religious educator with seminaries and institutes of religion. He and his wife, Erin, have four children and live in Saratoga Springs, Utah. Josh, welcome. Thank you, Ben. Glad to be here. And next to Josh is our special guest, Nathan Pacheco. Nathan is a classically trained tenor and has a passion for performing uplifting music. He and his wife, Katie, have three children and live in Alabama. Nathan, so good to have you here today. Thank you. Love being here. Thanks for having me. And we're also joined by our live studio audience. Thank you so much for being here. We look forward to hearing from you as well. And to you viewers at home, thank you for joining us. Throughout this discussion, we'll invite you to share your experiences with us on Facebook and Instagram. For more, visit byutv.org slash comefollowup. So the two discussion topics that we've chosen for today come from the books of Philippians and Colossians. And these topics line up with the Come Follow Me resource provided by the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And the two topics we're gonna be discussing are first, the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth every sacrifice. And second, I can become a new person through Jesus Christ. After our discussion of these two topics with our panel and studio audience, we'll jump into a deeper conversation with our panel in the footnote segment of the show. Okay, so going into our first topic, the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth every sacrifice. Josh, can you give us a little bit of a background on specifically what that topic has to do with these two books of scripture we're talking about today. Yeah, absolutely. So Paul is writing two letters, one to the Philippians, one to the Colossians from prison. Uh, he's given up his life as a Roman citizen. He's given up his life as a Jew uh, for this new faith that's not well understood. Mm -hmm. There are people in the world who are like, why would you give these things up? And so Paul is experiencing that side of it, joining Christianity. But specifically in Philippians chapter three, Paul gives us an entire list of things that he's given up. 
He's given up old friends. He's given up old lifestyles. He's given up position and prestige and a little bit of honor in his old communities to become a Christian. Mm -hmm. And so Paul is speaking from an area of authenticity saying, I know what it's like to sacrifice. These letters are meant to be instructive. So Paul is trying to teach why it's important to follow the Savior in any situation we may be placed in. So Nathan, we've talked about your career. You are a very accomplished singer. How do you balance, you know, life, the gospel in in the midst of trying to accelerate your career? There have been plenty of experiences in my career where I've been up against certain challenges where I'm like, all right, it's over now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess this is it. Uh, But it's amazing how when you push through those things, you face those sacrifices, plead for the Lord's help, uh, doors open up, miracles happen. And then you have those experiences where you just feel so fulfilled, where you're connecting with people through performing, through the music. But then to realize that the fulfillment that I have in my family and the fulfillment that comes to me from the, the knowledge of the gospel, that those things fulfill me in such a way that I guess you could say they even eclipse the success and the fulfillment that comes from my career. So I would love to hear from, from the audience on how have you drawn closer to Christ through making sacrifices? Blair. My mind's going back to the first time I was a ward missionary. It helped me in several ways. First of all, I was having a lot of health problems. Serving other people and going out with the missionaries, it took the focus off myself and my own problems. And the second thing that happened is that as you're serving people, you really learn to love those that you serve. And you start to feel the way that Christ feels, I believe, as he serves and helps us. And Blair, what is the role of the Holy Ghost in helping you get to that realization that by serving others, you are filling that role that Christ would do if he was here? The role that the Holy Ghost has played for me is uh, it has helped me feel inspired who to help. A name will come to mind or a a neighbor to go to stop and say hello to. Um, That happened to us, and we found that this neighbor, she was isolated at home because her husband had cancer, and no one had seen her for a long time. But the Holy Ghost also reiterates what we're doing and just feeling really good about it afterwards. Thank you for sharing that with us, Blair. When we look at Paul I feel like he had so many opportunities to just throw in the towel. What kept Paul going? Um, Paul's letter to the Philippians is such a good example of of answering this question. Okay. As we look at the the epistle as a whole, he actually centers everything around a hymn. Hmm. Interestingly enough, (laughs) to have a singer here, uh, there's a a hymn that he embeds in Philippians chapter 2. And the hymn is all about Christ's condescension to earth. Okay. And so it goes, it starts in verse six of chapter two. And, and it's interesting because Paul starts and says, who referencing Jesus Christ being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And so we start, this is where Jesus is in the pre-mortal life. He's equal with God. And then, but made himself of no reputation 
and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We can find our greatest motivation from our Savior, Jesus Christ, Mm. because the Savior in Paul's teaching is giving up Godhood to come to earth and become a man. And he's going to live like us and sacrifice to be like us so that we can be like him. And so Paul counts it important that I may suffer. I may be in prison. I may have lost this prestige, but Jesus gave up more Mm -hmm. to become like us so that we could receive more. And that's what I think is Paul's driving force throughout his ministry. So I think it's, it's hard sometimes when you're in the moment to really see what you're doing and um, the sacrifices you, that we're making. Is it, really, is it really worth it, what I'm doing? We had a question coming from one of our viewers, and I'd, I'd love to get some of your thoughts on, on what they're asking. My name is Viviana. I'm from Argentina, but I live in Italy. My question is, how can I be grateful when I am given the opportunity to sacrifice things for the Lord? You know, I like that. I like that idea of, you know, really taking a step back and looking, you know, what is this providing and how can I express gratitude as opposed to just thinking perhaps of, it's so hard, look what I'm giving up to be a a part of this. Can I share a story? Absolutely. Yeah, and this kind of goes along with Viviana, I think that was her name, her question. So a few years after Katie and I got married, uh, we decided to start a family. And I, at that point in my career, I was starting to travel a lot because my debut album had been released, my PBS special was released, and I needed to hit the road to promote everything through live performances. And so I was praying like crazy that I would at least be able to be home for our little boy's birth. Thankfully, that prayer was answered, but I had to leave pretty much immediately after to go perform. I was over in the UK with the most incredible musicians in the most beautiful venues. My dream was coming to pass in every detail. And yet, I still remember to this day feeling so empty in my heart as I was sitting at a runway waiting to take off to another city because I just wanted to be with my family. It was such a turning point for me to be able to shift my focus from, I guess, superstardom or reaching after that to shift my focus to covenants and family. Wow. And I'm grateful for experiences like that that have allowed me to realize that in all reality, the sacrifices are not a sacrifice because of the fulfillment and completion that comes along with them that makes everything worth it, that allows us to enjoy a quality of life that, from my experience and my belief, is not attainable in any other way. I remember years ago listening to President Hinckley, and he talked about, for example, uh, serving a full-time mission, how oftentimes we think of it as a sacrifice, in which, of course, there are a lot of elements of sacrificing things you give up. But he said, it's not really a sacrifice because you get so much more out of it than you, than you give. And I imagine, and Paul, even in this situation, you know, he's as difficult as it is, the ability to really view some of these sacrifices we make 
from the big picture of what we receive, it's got to offer a little bit of comfort to him, you would think, in this situation. Yeah, and, and that comfort is expressed exactly here in verse 8 of chapter 3. Yet doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. And so, yeah, I, did I lose those things? I did. Mm-hmm. But what I gained in return was excellency. Sacrifice isn't necessarily always giving something up. Uh, the word sacrifice actually is tied to making something sacred. And so it's a process of becoming wow. sacred. And it looks like I'm giving something up, but it's making me become something new. What are your thoughts, Nathan? So going along with what you were talking about regarding President Hinckley's quote. So a few years ago, I did a Sacred Songs album called Higher. And on that album, I did a song in Portuguese. I had the chance uh, to serve a mission in Brazil. And I got a children's, a Brazilian children's choir uh, to join me in that recording. But I listened to it and I was just bawling my eyes out. <laughs> and so, and I thought of President Hinckley's quote. He said that he was able to trace every blessing in his mm-hmm. life back to the fact that he chose to stay on his mission, even though he wanted to go home. And it was very hard for me at the beginning of my mission as well. Uh, And I wanted to go home, uh, but I didn't. And I thought at that moment when I heard that children's choir, you know, the the joy that I felt for Brazil and everything, Mm -hmm. I just, I thought, oh my gosh, I'm still enjoying these blessings that just fill my heart in a way like nothing else. Uh, Thank you so much, both of you, for, for what you shared and for the audience. Thank you so much for contributing to this first conversation about sacrificing and for you at home, how has the influence of the Spirit increased in your life as you have made sacrifices for the Lord? Share with us on Facebook and Instagram. I think that we we need to transform because we are the natural man. And so we have, that's part of the plan to come down here uh, to be born in, in this state, in a carnal state, as, as Paul would say, and then to overcome that. I think that The reality of being able to become a new creature in Christ, a new person because of Him, I believe that that's the essence of the gospel. And going along with sacrifice, I do not believe that sacrifices would be possible or sustainable were it not for this blessing that Christ promises us that we can be renewed. And I believe that that's what happens when we feel the Spirit. We can be completely broken, ready to give up, but we feel the Spirit and it's as if we're renewed and we receive a change of heart and we're able to keep on going. And I think that that's one of the most amazing blessings that's made made possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So the second topic we're gonna discuss today is I can become a new person through Jesus Christ. Josh, you mind giving us some contextual background to this topic? Yeah, one of the great things about the epistle to the Philippians is that this was one of Paul's very first convert groups. Okay. And they continued to be righteous. A lot of times with the epistles, we're seeing people that are falling off the track and need correction. The Philippians don't need that. They're still mm. pressing forward. And so Paul is trying to say, here's the next step. Okay. So you've you've got down the basics. You've learned how to start on the path of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Now let me teach you how you become something new. And so Philippians gives us a really cool context of seeing how do we take that next step in discipleship? Now with Colossians, uh, it's a little bit different because Paul never met the Colossian saints. 
he was receiving a letter from another disciple of Jesus Christ saying, hey, can you write a letter that kind of helps these people out a little bit? Okay. And so Colossians is really cool because it's a almost a form epistle. Hmm. And it reads a lot like Ephesians. And so you've got these two epistles that are like, here's this, read it, and then give it to somebody else. It's not meant to be specific. But in the same vein as Philippians, it's here's some instruction about how to move forward from the basics of the gospel. How do you become something better than what you are now? And how do you take the next step in your discipleship? Okay. So we love new things. Okay, Nathan, I'm going to put you on the spot for a second. (laughs) So what is something that when you get real excited, like if you're getting something that is new, that you're going to open up or unpackage, what would it be for you? Uh, either a new phone or a new computer. I love new electronics. <laughs> They're kind of cool. <laughs> Especially okay. if you haven't gotten a new computer in a few years and you get one, it's like lightning fast. And right. th- for example, I do a lot of composing and I'll use a certain program. And, you know, a few years ago, I got a new computer. And I mean, the things that would practically crash my old computer, I mean, it's like nothing. All right. Josh? Uh, for me, it's a new book. Really? Uh, I love buying a new book and having that in my hands and just opening it for the first time and clean and new and the adventure that's ahead and and learning what's inside. Okay, this is really going to show how different we all are here, where where we all are intellectually. Mine is socks. (laughs) You give me some new socks and I'm as happy as could be because this is why. And this is, I think, we're going to tie this back into what Paul is trying to teach there's something about opening and putting on a new pair of socks that just, it makes me feel good. I feel like, I kind of feel like a new person. I walk around with, you know, a little more pep in my step and it just all starts there. So from what Paul is trying to teach, he's trying to teach that through Jesus Christ, we can become something new. We can become something better uh, or something different. So I, I kind of want to talk about that with that feeling of, starting over, that feeling of newness that comes through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'd love to open up the audience and just get some of your thoughts on how does it feel to start over, to start fresh through living the gospels and principles of Jesus Christ? Ricardo. So I was 18 when I was baptized. I was a convert um, from Brazil originally, moved to the U.S. and got baptized in Idaho. I spent about three years active and then went inactive for 10 years. Mm. And my true baptism really came after that, my okay. conversion. So I did go in the water and I did try to follow the principles and everything. My family was against it. My friends didn't support me. And it was so easy to kind of follow everybody else. But after 10 years of inactivity, I mean, my wife and I, we just had this, you know, something's missing here. Mm-hmm. And we decided to go back. And through a long process, we were able to become active again, you know, got callings and things like that. As we went back, then I was like, why am I doing this? Like, what do I believe? Do I really believe this? And once I got that testimony, that confirmation, then everything else kind of came along. The change came along because I had changed here and everything else was changing along with that. So Ricardo, why do you stay? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. The gospel of Jesus Christ changes lives. He has changed me to a different person. That was incredible, Ricardo. As you talked about that, you talk about a, a true conversion, becoming a new person. How appropriate is it that it is Paul wants Saul who is teaching us about this? 
Yeah, absolutely. And we see throughout both Philippians and Colossians, this plea to become something new. And that's what Paul is really trying to emphasize is that the gospel is meant to not keep you the way that you are. Mm -hmm. I think of Elder Holland's quote, uh, come as you are, but don't intend to stay that way. (laughs) And that's really what the gospel is about. So uh, I want to go back to something Nathan said earlier. Uh, Nathan, when you were talking about earlier on your career, uh, being out there, feeling that emptiness, how did you come to find that peace? and that balance with your your career and making peace that things were good with your home and your family and that you were giving it the necessary attention that it needs? I think you just learn by experiences. I mean, certain things, we may place a big priority on one thing at one point in our lives, but then we have certain experiences like that experience I shared you where it's kind of like an aha moment or it's a coming to yourself, coming to ourself moment where we're like, this really matters. and I need to need, need to pay attention to that, and so it's all. I mean, I can't say that I've mastered the juggling act between career and family yet, uh, but I am grateful for that experience that helped me realize the priority that that should take in my life because it has allowed me to enjoy the peace that I feel today. It, it's a process. Mm-hmm. I wish I had the perfect answer for you, but I'm still learning. <laughs> <laughs> And so, Josh, can you talk to us a little bit about you know uh, what Paul is trying to teach and his experience with? Having uh, these saints experience that peace of God? Yeah, you have to know for yourself. I love the words that Joseph said to his mother when he came back from the first vision. And he said, I have learned for myself. And I think that that's what Paul's really trying to say to the saints in in Philippi and in Colossae is I want you to know this. And and, and you see this if if we go to Philippians chapter three, Uh, verse 15. Uh, One thing that he says is this, let us therefore as many as be perfect. Now this isn't perfect in living, but this is the same word that the Savior uses in the Sermon on the Mount, be ye therefore perfect, it should be be therefore complete. And so he's saying, as many as be complete, be thus minded. And if anything ye be otherwise minded, God shall reveal even this unto you. What greater peace comes than knowing for a surety. Ricardo's example, I know for myself and there is peace and assurance that I know and what I know, I know. And that's what Paul's Mm -hmm. trying to say. I know it, now I want you to know it. But I'm not gonna force you to know it. I'm not going to guilt you into knowing it. I'm gonna walk with you along the path until you know it. And I'm gonna love you every step of the way. And that's how we become, I love, you know, this idea of, of, of new, that newness of life that comes from, from finding out for yourself, that piece of knowing that, you know what, I, I've made it, like, I, I'm in this and, and nothing's going to detract me from staying on this path and this course. One of the challenges for me at the beginning of my mission was that homesickness and I felt such an emptiness. I just didn't know of any other solution than to go home. Well, my dad, he said, Nathan, to know is to love. And he then encouraged me to really get to know the Brazilian people that I was serving and to love them. Now, this wasn't an overnight thing where all of a sudden I'm like, okay, boom, I love my mission. I'm not going home. It was a process as I did my best to get to know the people that I was interacting with. Uh, over time, 
And this goes along with Paul's teaching, the Lord changed my heart. So there was a newness. I felt like a new person. And, and that's what allowed me to stay. I still remember waking up in my second area and I, it was like, I'm, I'm happy. I feel happy. That's amazing because I'm not with my family. I'm still facing challenges as a missionary, but I'm happy. So that kind of change, that change of heart that allows our burdens to be made light so that it's as if they're not even there, that's only possible in my opinion because of the atonement of Jesus Christ. But as we lean on the Lord, as we rely on him, and as we do what we can, he changes us. Had that not happened, I do not believe that I would have been able to continue as a missionary. And quite frankly, I don't believe that living the gospel is sustainable unless we receive a change of heart. Otherwise, the commandments are a burden, the sacrifices are a burden. But if the Lord changes our hearts and we become new creatures in Christ, the gospel isn't a burden at all. It's simply leading us to our promised land. Thank you for sharing that. There's something within us that we have to exercise faith to believe, but then you also talked about how you actually have to get out and work for it. And, and Paul talks about that, this, this um, dichotomy of faith and works. How do we find that balance between what faith really is versus the role that we play in helping to, to strengthen our testimonies to become something new. Yeah, I, I love the imagery of faith and works being two oars in a boat. Okay. If you have both of them, they propel you forward. And everything we've been talking about here with Paul and his teachings is, I want you to move forward. Look at uh, Philippians 3.14, I press toward, I'm moving forward. Um, that's what faith and works does is it moves us forward on that path to become. And we don't just stop or we don't just get hung up on one thing. Okay. And, and too often we sometimes get in this debate of, well, which one is more important? And it's a fruitless discussion because you need both of them. Okay. And they have to work together in tandem to move us forward. And so faith and works move us together because if we do works without faith, we're acting in hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And if we have faith but don't do works, we're forgetting that aspect of what the gospel is supposed to make us do. Nathan, what are your thoughts on this idea of faith versus works? I agree that they're one and the same. I love that imagery that you shared. I think that that's spot on. You know, I live in the South mm -hmm. and, you know, obviously there, there's sometimes a, a big discussion, well, you know, is it faith or works? You know, we're saved by grace, period, plain and simple. And and quite frankly, I, I agree with that. We are saved by grace, period, plain and simple. No questions asked. I mean, sometimes we'll quote that scripture, we are saved by grace after all that we can do. And we'll think, okay, we have to, you know, just work so hard. And then only after we exhaust all of our strength, the Lord's going to help. I don't, I don't, I don't believe that that's the case. And in quite Quite frankly, I believe that that's a recipe for disaster as far as testimonies are concerned. That that is a recipe for burning yourself out. If we were to flip that around, it would make perfect sense as well. Even after all that we can do, it's still only by grace that we're saved. And quite frankly, that's what Nephi's brother Jacob said in 2 Nephi 10. He said, wherefore, reconcile yourselves to the will of God and not to the will of the devil and the flesh. And this is the part that I think is so fascinating. And remember, after ye are reconciled unto God, that it is only in and through the grace of God that ye are saved. 
And Nathan, I had an amazing experience. I was studying this verse and I had a little crisis of faith mm -hmm. because part of me said what you said inside, not nearly as eloquently as you said it, but <laughs> inside I was saying, no, I know I'm only saved by grace. And I had this problem because I'd kneel down to pray and I'd say, Heavenly Father, when is enough? When have I done enough to let that grace slip in? And so I said, I'm going to study that verse as best as I can. And I said, okay, I'm going to look up the word after in an 1828 dictionary that Joseph Smith would have, nice. would have known about. And one of the definitions was, while in the process of or striving to do. And so now when we read that verse, it says we are saved by grace in the process of and while striving to do all that we can do. That's amazing. Nephi was telling me that Jesus is there with me all along the way. And his grace is what's there while I'm striving or in the process of doing all I can do. Uh, it's been so important for me to constantly remind myself that reading the scriptures, going to the temple, going to church, partaking the, of the sacraments, serving, doing all these things, these are simply God's way of helping us come unto Christ. And Christ is the one that saves us. He's the one that raises us from the dead. He's the one that makes it possible for us to feel the Holy Ghost over and over and over again in our lives. And it is only Christ that makes us holy. And just as the scriptures say, that through our faith in him, and by manifesting our faith, by coming unto him, by making covenants and trying our hardest to follow those, we can be made righteous forever. He's the one that washes us clean through his blood. We don't do that. This has been such a wonderful, beautiful discussion. Thank you so much for, for your insights and just personal stories that have added to this. And for the audience, thank you so much for sharing with us of your experiences and testimonies. And for those at home, we still have a lot to cover from Philippians and Colossians in the footnotes segment of the show with Josh and Nathan. So please stick around. The Spirit communicates with me oftentimes through music. Uh, I also, I, I love creative things. I love writing and composing. And I find that many times I feel the Spirit when I focus on those kinds of things. And when I'm in the creative process, I, it's, uh, it's, I think it's when I feel closest to the Lord. The Spirit communicates with me pretty much throughout my entire day, whether it's needing a way to speak to my kids or just feeling down about myself and helping me to remember that I'm a child of God. Uh, those little whispers and feelings are just always there. For me, a lot of the times it's feelings, uh, is how do I feel in a specific moment? It's not a voice, it's not even a thought per se, but it's I'm doing something and I feel a certain way and I know that it's nudging me to do something else. Welcome to Come Follow Up Footnotes. We've dismissed our studio audience and are looking forward to building upon our previous discussions about sacrifice and becoming a new person through Jesus Christ. Now let's get into these and other passages with Josh and Nathan. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, Ben. Okay, so we have to go to a scripture that I love. It's one of my personal favorites that um, we didn't touch on, uh, and that is Philippians 4.13. Nathan, will you, uh, would you mind reading that for us? And I just want to talk about some right. of the principles and things that we can learn from that and why it, it is such a widely known and popular verse. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. 
All right, we're going to let Josh start us out talking about this verse. What is Paul saying? What is he teaching? And why has it become such a well-known scripture in our time? Yeah, so this is uh, at the end, Paul is finishing his letter uh, and he's trying to give them kind of a farewell statement. Uh, Remember, these are people that he had converted to the gospel. They are remaining faithful. Uh, These are those converts that he found on a mission that are still faithful in the church that your heart just swells with pride Mm -hmm. for who they are. And so he's sitting there trying to give them another stay true, stay faithful. Here's a hoorah speech. Uh, And so he uses these words now for us, and and, and we can't see this necessarily in the English. Um, He says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. In Greek, the word for strengthen is actually endunamotai. And it's got that same root as endowment, to endow, to give. And so think of how that may look differently when you read that and say, I can do all things through Christ, which endows me. Wow. And so that the root that we get for endowment, a gift or something that will strengthen is there. And so for Latter-day Saints, we can love that verse because it has direct ties to the ordinances we participate in in the temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and Paul's not necessarily referencing ordinances here. He's using a word that's familiar to him and saying, Christ endows you, he gives you power. Okay. And so seek to do all things through Christ because Christ is going to strengthen you to be able to do it. Or I can do all things because of the power that Christ gives to me. And thank you. I I love and I admire greatly. Uh, So uh, what you're reading from and referencing, this is a a Greek Bible, correct? Yeah. So the New Testament, uh, the epistles and and the rest of the New Testament were written in Greek. And so we have modern editions of what that Greek text may have looked like uh, in the days in which the text was written. Okay. So it's just getting us closer to that original text. And I love what it adds to this discussion. All right, Nathan. I got to learn Greek. That was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) I, I had never heard that about that root word. It's amazing. That's fascinating. Nathan, what are your thoughts on Philippians 4.13? Well, you know, I think it goes along with what we talked about earlier that, you know, there are certain things that I've been through in my life that without question I would have given up were it not for the grace or the strength that I feel that I was endowed with from the Lord. And it's what makes life possible, quite Mm -hmm. frankly. We all get beat up and bruised. (laughs) It just happens. Uh, but because of Christ, we can overcome. I love that. Uh, Elder Scott, you know, talks about how packaging, you know, principles that are just wrapped up so nicely sometimes in the scriptures to where it's, it's memorable. It's something that we can take. It's very simple. I can learn from this. And I love how throughout the scriptures, we have these little, just, I feel like they're the golden nuggets where we can just pull them out in those times of need, of weakness, we can look back and think, you know, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthened. Now, I'm not. Very, I'm never going to say this again without thinking of the endowment part of it. Yeah, that's amazing. Well, and and that's ultimately what the purpose of everything that we're doing is is for Christ to strengthen us, mm-hmm. and it brings us back to the point, which is that we're strengthened through the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Christ's mm-hmm. atoning sacrifice is what gives us the strength. It's what endows us with power. Mm -hmm. Uh, And as we know, uh, in a modern context, everything that we do in the temple centers around Jesus Christ. And so being able to know that little bit and that that connection helps us to say, yeah, okay, I'm being endowed with power from Jesus Christ, 
not from a ritual, not from mm, a building, right. but from Jesus Christ. And, and Paul's not going to get away from that. Everything in Philippians is circled around who Jesus Christ is and what Jesus Christ does for us. That's cool. Struck a chord. So one, one, of, <laughs> yes. one of my favorite scriptures is in Isaiah chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. So have you guys ever seen Chariots of Fire? <laughs> right, I absolutely love, love that movie. And, and the main character in that movie, he, he quotes this scripture to win. You know, there's this epic scene where he's running and you got that music going. So I'm going to just translate into my own words because okay. that I do that often to help me help the scriptures kind of settle in for me. So I'm just going to read this. So didn't you know, haven't you heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, or in other words, the person that created everything, he doesn't faint, he doesn't get tired. It's impossible to understand what he understands. And here's the thing. He gives power to those who are weak and to those that are about to give up, he gives them strength. Now, even the youth or those that are supposed to be strong, even they will eventually faint or give up or be weak. And young men, those who are supposed to be full of vigor and strength, they will utterly fall. But then here's the thing. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. <laughs> with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary and they shall walk and not faint. And so I believe that this goes along with the verse that we read, that we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth us. And I believe that it goes along with what we were talking about, becoming new. I believe that Isaiah here is so poetically describing that process of as we wait upon the Lord, he endows us with power so that we can go forth in the strength of the Lord. We can have a strength beyond our own that allows us to keep on going so that it's as if we were mounting up with wings to, to fly, to do something that's absolutely impossible. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to fly. But so that imagery, I think, is just absolutely beautiful. Or in other words, Isaiah is teaching us that we can do the impossible through Christ because to him, nothing is impossible. And that imagery of an eagle flying. We lived in the Pacific Northwest for a while okay. and I was driving down the road one day and there was an eagle in the middle of the road. That's amazing. And I was like, I'm not going <laughs> to hit this thing. And I'm like, it's not taking off. It's not taking off. And then all of a sudden it spread its wings wow. and it took up the, almost the entire road. And I wow. said, that is majestic. Wow. It's awe-inspiring. And I love how you said that, Nathan, because it, the, they will mount up with wings as eagles. Mm -hmm. And I see that in my mind of that eagle just getting ready to take off. And it's just like, oh, that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And then with one swoop, it's above my car and, and up. And, and, and as you were speaking, I just, I couldn't help but remember that image of, uh, of a majestic bird taking off in flight that's awesome. and, and how it just made me feel. You know, Josh, you've talked about a lot about how Paul is constantly pointing us to Christ. And there are several examples, you know, specifically within Philippians where, you know, he's talking about peace that comes through uh, passing all understanding. Um, and it, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind kind of talking us through some of these passages about Christ, about becoming, you know, getting our minds in the same as Christ. Um, what what are some of these things that Paul is trying to to teach us, and 
how do we take that and really apply it to today? Yeah, so Paul, uh, the whole epistle of Philippians circles around a specific passage, uh, and that's Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 11. And so he's saying, if we want to have peace, the best way that we can obtain it is to follow the steps that Jesus Christ took. Uh, and so what did Jesus do? We need to go through and see that. And so he crafts this letter and we have to keep that in mind. This is a letter. Okay. So he's not getting up in a, in, in a forum and speaking. It's not somebody recording. He's sitting down and writing and thinking through this. I love when I get to the epistles of Paul to think, is he sitting down and like writing something going nah and crinkling up a, <laughs> a, a, a piece of parchment and throwing it away um, and then saying, no, I want to say it this way. Uh, because there are so many great poetic statements. But he specifically thinks of this. So he, he gets to Philippians chapter 2 uh, and in our text, but he's just writing his letter. But when he gets to verse 6, um, he changes. He says, okay, now I'm going to introduce you to who Christ really is. And I want to do it in poetic form. And so he changes his writing style and, and actually gives us what we would call a hymn of Christ. Uh, and in the Greek text, uh, they actually show that change in style. So if you look here, you can see that the text is written in letter form here, mm -hmm. but then it's written poetically here. Yeah. And so I can see Paul writing in this letter a poetic form and saying, here's the most important part of what I'm saying. I'm going to set it off a little bit. Uh, and as we read it, we think of it as committing scriptures to memory, uh, but it was for them a poem or a hymn that they could recite in their minds. Uh, Nathan, you'll probably know better than any of us that music has a tendency of sitting in memory a little bit better than trying to memorize prose or, oh, or, other, or other types of memorization. Mm -hmm. And so he's trying to say, this is what you should remember. Talks about Jesus humbling himself going from being like God in the pre-mortal existence and coming down and saying, I'm now going to come and become like man. And then I'm going to die on a cross, die in the most uh, pitiful way, uh, in the most lowly way. But I love where he goes next. So in verse nine, Paul writes, wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the father. And so Jesus starts with heavenly father as a God, condescends to be a man and to die the most lowly death. Uh, interesting, Paul mentions the death. We always talk about the lowly birth of Jesus, yeah. but Paul's saying the lowly death, but that death raised him up to be the most exalted. And not only him, but that we would all recognize that mm. and say, yes, Jesus is equal to God as we started with in verse six. And so Paul gives us this and then he says, I'm going to talk about a bunch of different things, but they're all going to come back to these things in this hymn. And so you could take Philippians and say, okay, here's the hymn. Oh, these verses go with this. These verses go with this. And you can almost diagram the verse wow. to be all centered around this him in the middle. Okay, so we have a very accomplished singer with us. So I, I've got to ask you, what does putting something in the form of music how does that change or add to maybe the truthfulness of it? Or yeah. does it does it give more power and meaning as you're singing something sometimes as opposed yeah. to just reading it? Yes. And in fact, this is fascinating what you shared. Because 
I have learned that if I want to remember something, I will put it to music. And so if there's a scripture that I want to remember, I'll take a familiar melody and I'll just insert that those scripture lyrics uh, so that I will remember it. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a brilliant teaching thing that Paul <laughs> was doing to help, you know, drive home what he was trying to get across to them. But going back to your question, yes, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I love singing is okay. because I learn so much when I sing. Well, for example, when I recorded the Higher album a few years ago, it was the first Sacred Songs album that I had decided to do. So, you know, Josh Groban, Andre Bocelli, they've kind of been inspirations for me, especially Andre Bocelli. And, you know, he did a few of his classical crossover albums, Mm -hmm. and then he did a couple Sacred Songs albums where he sang, you know, these beautiful songs that have a place in so many people's heart in the Catholic Church. And it was beautiful to see him express that part of him through that music. Well, I wanted to do a Sacred Songs album of songs that that had a place in my heart. Well, they had a place in my heart even before I sang the songs, but when I was recording the album, I can't tell you how many times I had to stop the recording because I was crying. There's something about music that brings out the meaning of things. And, and that would happen over and over again. And also when I was asked to, to sing one by one, the Paul Cardall song that Elder Bednar put the lyrics to, I stopped so many times because as I was singing one by one, one by one, through his grace, he gives us power to become. I mean, it goes along with what we're talking about. And there are things that you can learn and feel through music that are in a way inexpressible just through words. Mm -hmm. And so it's as if the words were being taken to the deepest uh, part of my heart. So singing is a huge testimony building experience for me. That's what I'm trying to say. It's it's one of the reasons why I love to sing. Going back to Chariots of Fire, Uh he says in in the movie, when she was kind of chastising him for abandoning the ministry. And he said, no, don't you get it? When I run, I feel God's pleasure. One of the reasons why I love singing so much is because it helps me feel close to the Lord. Well, as as a listener of your music as well, it does a similar thing, strengthening my testimony, some of the principles and things that we, that we, you know, read about sometimes, but to hear in, in that artistic form, it really does add to so many others. And so thank you for what you do. It it is extremely impactful and, and I just love it. So it's a, it's a brilliant talent. So thank you for that. And, and Nathan, as you were speaking and we're talking about peace coming from Christ and following his example, I couldn't help but think about Colossians 3. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms mm. and hymns and spiritual songs, singing <laughs> with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Love that. And so what, what you're talking about, Nathan, is uh, I think a fulfillment of what Paul is trying to teach. Uh, and I just, I echo what Ben says, like, so grateful for the music you provide, because I think you give to us who don't have a voice, myself included, uh, uh, you give us those feelings that we can't create on our own. Well, thank you for that. We'll sing anyway, even if you don't have a voice. <laughs> By doing, you figure things out. Miracles happen. <laughs> I love it. So, um, Josh, do you have a favorite scripture among some of these in Philippians or Colossians that you'd like to 
kind of just share and expound on a little bit for us? Yeah, absolutely. So in Philippians chapter three, uh, this is probably my go-to scripture. Uh, whenever I'm asked, hey, will you share a verse with us? And I usually go to Philippians chapter three for that, that purpose. Um, Elder Holland said that Philippians is one of the most underutilized books in mm. our, our scripture. Uh, we forget about it. And one of the reasons is there's so many good things here. As we talked about earlier, this is a rare time in scripture where somebody is praising people for being faithful, <laughs> where he's like, you guys are great. I'm yeah. just gonna give you a little bit of how you can step forward, but you're amazing. Um, yeah. But Paul talks about something that is amazing to me to find in scripture. And this is um, in Philippians chapter three, um, verse 13. So earlier in this chapter, uh, Paul has just outlined what his life was like. Um, I was the most devout of the Pharisees. I mm -hmm. was of the tribe of Benjamin, a tribe that wasn't one of the lost tribes. Uh, I was circumcised on the eighth day. Uh, in modern LDS context, that's like saying, I was baptized at 1201 on my eighth <laughs> birthday. Like that's how devout I was. Uh, and then he says, I count all these things as dung. Um, and that doesn't matter anymore because I found Christ. Wow. And so in verse 13, he, he sets us up, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. So he starts by saying, I'm not gonna worry about what happened in the past. I don't worry about my status or my standing. And in an essence, I think he's also saying, I don't worry about my sins mm. that are behind me. I'm now gonna move forward um, and look at that which is before. And what, what is that that's before him? I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And that's what Paul's saying, I'm striving to become like God, but I can't do it unless I look forward and I rely upon Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we both share some of our favorites. <laughs> Nathan, I think it's your turn. Any specific verses that you would like to share that stand out to you? All right, help, help me out. It's the it's scripture, the peace that passes all understanding. Which verse is that in? Um, Philippians 4, 7. Four, seven. Uh, yes. Can I read verses 6 and 7? Absolutely. Okay, so be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. So can I say this in everyday speech, and you can correct me if I mistranslate <laughs> this, uh, but basically how I interpret it is, don't worry too much about anything, but in your prayers, cast those burdens on the Lord, let him know what you need help with, and if you do that, then the peace of God, the peace that only he can give, that peace that passes all understanding, or in other words, you can be going through a trial and it can make no rational sense for you to feel peace, but you can feel that because of Jesus Christ. If you rely on him and cast your burdens on him, then you can enjoy that peace that passes all understanding. Uh, so that scripture is important to me because I have the tendency to worry and to fear and to be overly anxious about things every now and then. And so it's, it's good to, to be reminded of just the simple thing. It's, it, I think it, it goes along with the theme that we read over and over again in scripture of, of turning to the Lord. It's shifting your focus and giving him those burdens and in return, receiving the gift of peace. This is a lesson that I need to remind myself of frequently. 
So Nathan, uh, have yeah. you found as as you and going back, of course, to your career, um, when you look at some of the things that you bring from your religious life and from your your professional life, uh, how do you can kind of combine? Like, how do they the, your career and your your religious life complement one another? Well, I think it goes along with everything that you were saying. That well, I think I can't help but think of the hymn, "Come Thou Fount of Every mm -hmm. Blessing." So. Who's the fount of every blessing? That's Jesus Christ. And then, you know, Mormon's incredible sermon about, you know, how do we lay hold upon every good thing? And then he basically talks about having faith in Christ because in the end, as he teaches, every good thing cometh of Christ. And so I am a firm believer that, you know, just as Paul is teaching, that whatever is good, it comes from Christ. And so whether it's classified in the gospel or it's classified as something religious or not, if it's good, it's made possible because of Jesus Christ. And what I love, something that I love that's taught in the Book of Mormon is we're taught that if we come into Christ, we will be able to lay hold or receive every good thing. But he turns it around. But if you lay hold upon every good thing, you'll also be a child of Christ. Mm -hmm. Or in other words, because he's the one that's made all this possible. So in my opinion, if there are certain people that are struggling to come unto Christ, well, cleave to whatever's good, because it's synonymous. By cleaving to something that's good, you're gonna be getting closer to Christ. And, and I love that concept. So with going back to your question, with my career in, in, the, in the gospel, I'm all about, I want to find truth wherever it's found. I want to find good wherever it's found because, you know, there's no limit to the goodness that we can receive as children of God, but we need to seek for it. I'm sure what I say is being felt by so many watching at this time that your, your example of faith and works uh, to what you've been able to accomplish it is truly inspiring. And I just want to thank you both for being here today and for contributing and adding so much to our knowledge of the scriptures and overall to our desire to draw closer to Jesus Christ. Thank you both so much. And thank you for joining us at home for this discussion from the books of Philippians and Colossians. I encourage you to record and act upon any impressions that you've received. We're also on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, podcast, and online at byutv.org slash comefollowup. Please join us next week as we discuss love, effort, and Thessalonians. Come Follow Up is a production of BYU Broadcasting.